Welcome to the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow, chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm to table and neighbor to neighbor experience in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers and the Grass Fed Gourmet. This podcast is the audio version of my blog, which can be found at sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net. I've been reading and hearing it said that we Americans are too individualistic and selfish to make the changes that can flatten this curve. This week, one of my kids reminded me of another powerful attribute we have as a culture that could make all the difference. That's what I'm talking about this week on the hearth of Sapbush Hollow Farm. Thanks for joining me. We bought our first bottle of ketchup when we entertained guests shortly after our wedding in 2000. The second and third bottles our household has ever owned were consumed and discarded in the last two weeks. I blame the vegan sleeping in our guest bedroom. Corey, dubbed the kid by the cafe customers, slips by my desk without a word before the sun comes up. By the time Bob comes downstairs in his work clothes, he's standing at the kitchen counter making his breakfast clad in the new work pants and flannel shirt we bought him last week. Bob starts the coffee as the kid bounces back into my office. You're up early, I remark. Today's my day to cover the farm chores, right? He asks eagerly. I guess I said that. I don't remember saying that. These past two weeks have been a fog. I decide one course of action will be best. I issue marching orders, write lists, and send text messages. Then I think another will be preferable, and I issue more marching orders, write more lists, and send more text messages. And then I forget which course of action I decided on. Then I forget which day it is. I remember Bob and I deciding that he would handle chores Monday morning. I didn't anticipate that Corey would be up and ready to help him. I arch an eyebrow at the kid. You need to be ready to start lessons at 10 a.m., I tell him. I can get it all done, he assures me. Sersha and Ula join him, and the three teenagers order Bob to stay home and go drink coffee in the woods with me. By 10 a.m., they're all back at the house, breakfasted and ready to start lessons. Corey and Sersha started falling in love about a year ago. His family was going through a lot of turmoil, and they were moving frequently and facing down more than their fair share of confusion and heartbreak. 
He and Sersha are on an environmental study team together, and we started assisting with carpooling and overnight stays. He was raised vegan. I tried to cook for him. He swallowed what he could and just kept coming back around to our house and to the cafe, despite his starvation. I'm very adaptable, he assured me one afternoon last winter while clearing dishes from the kitchen table. That's how I survive. I don't need much food. Once he turned legal working age, he got a summer job as a campground water slide monitor, then a fall job as a zombie for a haunted house. After he turned 18, he got a full-time job as a car washer at a dealership in Albany. When the first cases of corona hit the Capital District, his mom and I were in agreement. Taking public transportation to a job was no longer an option. He had come for the weekend to visit Sersha, but it was at the same time we closed the loop on the farm. He was given a choice to stay away for the coming months or move into our guest room. With only the backpack he brought that last Friday, he made the decision to move in. Among the many decisions we made about closing certain parts of the business, building an online shopping platform for the food, and organizing to have our cafe distributor bring in groceries, we unofficially adopted a new family member. We provide his food, shelter, and homeschooling so he can finish his high school education, and he surrendered his vegan upbringing to help us run our livestock farm. He's got a lot to adapt to, for certain. Ketchup helps on the food front. Whatever haunch of beast I lay on the table gets smothered under ketchup and pressed between two slices of bread. I observe him swallowing his ketchup sandwiches without complaint, then moving on with enthusiasm to whatever thrill unfolds next. He does goofy things. He leaps into a heap of burdock the kids have cut down from the solar panels. He hoots a huge hee-haw when the girls let him operate the mule for the first time. And then one morning, as I juggle the lessons of three students instead of two, something slowly dawns on me. I'm not thinking so much about this pandemic. I'm not fearful if the spring pollen makes me sneeze or if Bob gives a small cough to clear his throat. I'm absorbed by the needs of these kids. Meanwhile, they just keep adapting. They've taken a shine to their people, the vulnerable members of the community they've adopted for weekly contact calls. They arrange for the delivery of meat, hand sanitizer, and even some chocolate. They work as a team down at the farm. When that's done, they wander off into the woods in search of deer antlers. They tease and play and make Bob and me laugh over dinner. They hug me constantly. One night, heavy with fatigue from it all, I push aside my research books and peruse my shelves for some lighter reading. I pull down a copy of Little Heathens, a memoir of growing up on a farm in the Great Depression, sent me by Uncle Carl several years ago. And in its pages, I see this same youthful adaptability remembered by an old woman as the finest time of her life. For Corey and my daughters, if we can avert the disaster that is raging around us, this will be a time they'll remember with nostalgia. It will become an anchoring cluster of memories, one that will guide them in every choice they make in the future. And the more they relish it, the more Bob and I are drawn into it. I'm letting myself go more deeply into this experience. When we run out of bread, I bring Corey into the kitchen and teach him to bake his own. Bob brings home tubs of flour from the cafe and he sets to work. There are moments when I know he misses his family. But in general, this kid truly is a prince of adaptation, 
I'm learning from him. I don't leap into the burdocks, and I still break down and cry at unexpected moments when I think of those empty cafe tables. Or I read a story in the New York Times about the grim realities of this illness or the admonishments that Americans will have to surrender their fierce individuality in order to survive. And my stomach turns back to knots. But then I look at the kid. I try not to wince as he slathers a perfectly seared slice of grass-fed ribeye steak with a line of ketchup before burying it in another sandwich. And at the same time, I watch as Ula rifles through her dresser to find clothes that don't fit any longer. She cuts them up and sews them into new fashions on her sewing machine. Saoirse teaches herself to sew zippers and then cajoles Ula into letting her apply theater makeup to transform her into a lizard child for our amusement. Getting through this is not a question of whether we Americans are willing to surrender our fierce individuality. It's a question of whether our other glorious national character trait will prevail. Our adaptability. We've done it before, whether it was creating radio programs that helped us smile through the Great Depression, planting victory gardens, adjusting to victory speed limits, or writing recipes to work with rationing coupons. In Corey's case, it's the willingness to eat ketchup sandwiches. It's not just a case of suffering and enduring, though. When we adapt, as Corey and the girls have, we find new thrills, new lessons, new experiences. That newness leads to happiness, and that happiness lets us stay home and off the streets and as far away from the overtaxed medical system as possible. And that reduces the number of illnesses and reduces the strain on the system. And then we do more than recover. We get better. Catch up, anyone? This podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon, and this week I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons Diane Fouver and Marianne Angela Palazuelos Yonquier. Thank you, folks. I couldn't do it without you. Hey, local folks, thank you for all the business you've been providing to Sapbush Hollow Farm. We are honored to be your farmers and to help you cook at home with nourishing ingredients. If you aren't local and you're sending your food dollars to your own local farmers right now, thank you. This is going to keep our community economy strong no matter what happens in the broader world. Our online store for self-serve pickup continues to grow. You can find it on the main menu of our homepage at sapbush.com. We're doing our best to get our food to you as efficiently and safely as possible. Please keep those orders coming. If there's any way we can serve you better, let us know. And I also want to say a big thank you to all my fellow farmers who are listening. I know we're all working like crazy to help people have safe, secure, healthy food during this time. I hope you take a moment tonight and just reflect on what we are doing together. We've been working on this local food movement for decades. We've been saying that it's a matter of national health and security for decades. And now people are recognizing it. Thank you for being here in our country's hour of need. Rest well tonight, and please get up and keep going strong tomorrow. Take good care of yourselves for everyone's benefit. Stay healthy, everyone. 
If you'd like to help support my work and gain access to exclusive content, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. This was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from memory. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Sowing seeds and reaping dreams And I think that I am